0: Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. We're going to dive into our third part of the series on first things. And the series that we're working through at the moment, we're talking about the first things that God put into place when the church was just born. And and we call this the prototype church. It was the first of its kind. The church was brand new. God breathed on the church. The spirit fell. Tongues of fire fell on the early believers. And then they started meeting together. And as they started meeting together... Amazing things began to happen. And uh, we see in this passage of Scripture in Acts 2, verse 42 down to 47. We're going to read that now. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all, as everyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and the breaking of bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now, I've been a Christian for 35 years. I got saved uh, just close on my 20th birthday. I got saved out of a a, a lifestyle that uh, was on its way to a fast destruction point. The fuse was burning and everything was about to explode in my life. But over that period of time that I followed Jesus, I've had seasons of time where I've seen uh, elements of what we're reading about here in the life of the churches, both that I've been a part of and the churches that we've led over that period of time. And make no mistake about it, friends, This kind of a church is not just a fairy tale. This kind of a church is what God is wanting to do in these last days and bring about for the saving of the world and also for the progression of... Christians who are joining churches all over the world. This isn't just an elite thing. This is not just we're saying, this is what Faith Point's all about. No, this is what God's church is all about. This is what the Lord wants to do globally through His body, is to bring about a church that's focused on the four pillars of the apostles' teaching, of fellowshipping together, the breaking of bread, and of prayer. It's so simple, and yet it is And yet it seems to be elusive to much of the body of Christ. Because somehow in our sophisticated 21st century, we think we're smarter than God. And so we've added a whole lot of extra tools in the toolbox to try and progress the church forward where God says, I want you to keep it simple. I want you to keep it straight. And I want you to focus on a few things, not a lot of things. Can I hear an amen this morning? But who wouldn't want to be part of this? There's spirit-filled teaching. There's miracles taking place. People's needs are being met. People are finding in their own hearts the generosity that causes them to release their possessions. How about that? Selling houses and lands because some of the people's needs weren't met. That's what I call, you know, the greatest miracle of Acts 2 is not necessarily that people were speaking in tongues, but that people could part with their possessions. That they could break that hold on this, our selfish, consumeristic nature and release that which was they thought was mine and they were prepared to give up the control of the proceeds to the leadership of the church in order for needs to be met. Man. People were meeting around houses. People were sharing food together. Uh, people were praying for one another. This is... Who wouldn't want to be part of this? Amen? This is, this is what God is in the business of producing. And I would call this a state of absolute biblical awe, where there, were, there was literally an awe that was surrounding the church of Acts 2, where people were stunned by the incredible work that God was doing in people's lives. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. That's the kind of church I want to lead. And we've been taking a slow but progressive steps towards seeing this start to manifest in uh, Faith Point Church. Notice the absence of a marketing plan. Notice the absence of a business strategy in this situation. Notice the absence of the bells and whistles that we so often want to add in order to attract a crowd. Friends, true Christianity doesn't need to use marketing methods in order for God to move. True Christianity, at the heart of it, has the power of God in the center of the church where daily people are being added to the church and coming out of a lifestyle of sin because God is at work. That's what we need more of in the day that we're living in. Less gimmicks, more God. Less gimmicks, more God in the midst of His church. And so this morning as we, as we look at uh, what we see here, the total simplicity of the focus on these few things. You know, some people would say, well, you know, we went back to Acts 2 and we tried that, but it didn't work. So we had to add some new mechanisms in to try and keep getting people to come to church. Because are you aware right now that there's a global decline in church attendance? Are you aware of that? All around the world, there's a global decline. And yet my Bible tells me there's going to become a global flood of people coming into the kingdom of God. Right now we're in reverse, but God's about to do something that is going to turn the trend and turn the tide. And it can't be a mechanism of man because we just don't have the power to do it. We don't have the power and the strength and the smartness to be able to do it. It has to be the Lord moving in a considerable way as we move forward. But those that say, oh, we tried this and it didn't work. I want to just point out that They've simply forgotten something. And that is this one word in this passage devoted to. Devoted to. They devoted themselves. The word devoted means the relentless pursuit of, it means the steadfast pursuit and pursuing of. And so you're not talking about giving up. You're not talking about going into something half hearted. You're going into something 100% and you're giving yourself to that. And friends, that's what will happen when we have a devotion to these four things. There will come the biblical awe that will match itself with it. You see, in our impatient culture, we want to experience biblical awe without biblical devotion. I'll say that again. In our impatient 21st century, fast, instant everything, we want to experience biblical awe without biblical devotion. Unfortunately, the two don't match themselves together. And sometimes we moan and complain that God's not doing this, God's not doing that. But can I ask you lately, how straight is your walk been? How devoted is your life to Christ this morning? Because sometimes we want it all one way, our way, and we expect God just to come and do something. I'm not saying it's a works-based gospel because everything that we have is by grace. But clearly, as we play our part and become devoted to the things that God says we should be devoted to, then God does His part and daily people are coming to Christ that should be saved today. And so we see here in verse 44, they all who believed were together and they had all things in common. So this is what happened. As they gathered in the temple, now remember, the temple was still under Judaism. It was still under the Old Testament code. But because it was their habit to go to the temple, the new believers who had received Christ, they went and met at the temple, but they prayed to Christ. And they had fellowship with Christ together. But most of the stuff was done from house to house. And the Word says there, and they had all things in common. They had the apostles' teaching in common. They had fellowship in common. They had the breaking of bread in common. And they had prayer in common. These four things were all part of the fabric and the life of every believer. All these things were in common. And you know, it's so easily easy and especially a Western philosophy, a Western philosophy, we don't necessarily see unit as the family. We see unit as individuals. And so we build our six feet high fences between our neighbors and we exist in an individual situation that denies the existence of family and in this culture, in Hebrew culture, family was the center of everything. So everything took place in their homes and in, with their families. Their homes were a continual place where people could come and go and gather and meet together. And it's in this place that God was moving. That God was moving. Let's break the mentality that everything has to happen at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to begin to move within our hearts and lives and in our houses and in our homes where people are coming to Christ. We We had numerous people come to Christ when we first started this church and we were meeting in a home up the road. We had people coming into our meetings that literally got down on their knees and received Jesus into their lives in the meetings. We had people falling out in the Spirit in the meetings. We had all sorts of things happen, but you know what? We also had the breaking of bread. We had fellowship together. We had the Apostles' Doctrine and teaching together. And so what I believe the Lord is saying is that it's time for us to return to our roots. And let's stop denying the doctrine of the priesthood of every believer. You know what that means? I'm not the one that has more access to God than you. That is false doctrine. The Bible says that when the veil between the holy of holies and the holy place was torn from top to bottom, showing it was a work and manifestation of God himself, not man. When he tore that veil, that means now you, me, and everyone has full access to the presence of God. That not one of us has an elite uh, proprietary ownership over the presence of God, but every one of us has now access into the presence of Jesus Christ today. So this morning, Viv did a great job. Didn't she do a great job with the fellowship last week? It was, it was a fantastic message. It's still up on Facebook under our church page if you want to go and watch that video. But the breaking of bread, what was the breaking of bread? The breaking of bread was more than just sharing Holy Communion. The breaking of bread was the sharing of a common meal. It was called table fellowship. Table fellowship. You remember those old days where the family all met around the table? Can I just show, have a show of hands? How many of you would meet five times or more around your dining table with your family during the week? Yeah. Okay, well, that's good. That's good. That's good. Because these days there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of uh, TV dinners. Yeah. There, there's a lot of stuff that happens where the table has, is no longer the table of fellowship. And, uh, and so what they would do is that as they came together, they would literally break a loaf of bread and give thanks to the Lord for their meal. And then they would share a common meal that everyone had contributed to. Otherwise, not in New Zealand, there's pot luck in our country. And, and, and th- then they would share food together. And then to finish it off, This is what they would do. They would share the emblems of the bread and the cup and they would dial in to Holy Communion as a fellowship together. And they would do this on a regular basis. Did you know that you don't need permission from any church leader to share the bread and the cup wherever you are. You can do it at home by yourself. You can do it with your husband or your wife. You can do it with your family. And, and, and as you do it, as you attach meaning to it and you understand what you're doing, God can do amazing things. And we'll tap into that in just a moment. So we know that verse 46 says that daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house... They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. This is how we know it wasn't just the emblems. They ate their food. They gathered. They had a meal. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Notice this was not a Faith Point MasterChef competition (laughs) where marvellous Mary and Shirley the Chef would be putting on their best dishes, showing off all their cul- culinary skills, and then nobody said anything about the glorious chocolate mud cake that I made. And I got deeply offended because everybody was pra- praising marvellous Mary and Shirley the chef for their contribution. You see, friends, what we've got to understand is, is that it was simple. Simple. It was simple. That doesn't mean that if you're blessed as a cook that you can't bring something that's great. But it wasn't a thing where we would attract envy and jealousy on who was the best. It was about sharing the meal together. It was about being in a common place and sharing a meal. So what does sharing a meal mean to you? You know what? I've had some of the greatest conversations of my life have happened around the meal table. I've gotten to know a person around a 45-minute meal and sit down and dialogue with them over food, and I've learned more about that person than sometimes them attending my church for 10 years where I've never sat down and had a conversation with someone like that. I tell you what, the meal table is a place of anointing. The meal table is a place where we begin to share our lives, where we begin to share. When, when, when my boys were young, I implemented a thing every night at our meal table. Okay, boys, one good thing, one bad thing. One good thing, one bad thing about your day. And so that we would all share. And so it was good because we didn't just share the good things, we were sharing the tough things to get them to open up and what was going on within their lives. And so the meal table isn't all about sharing your glorious victories only. It's about also sharing your struggles. It's about going through some of the challenging times that you may have. And as you build trust around that table of fellowship, God begins to be at work in the church and in our lives. And he builds connections that cannot be built any other way but around food. I mean, we're all built for breakfast, lunch, and dinner there is an inborn thing called appetite that switches on, that when you skip one of those meals, you, there's something that clicks inside of you that says, I need food. And so what better way does God design for His church to gather around meals and the food table as the appetite switch comes on? Hey, Julius, as the appetite switch comes on and we begin to share a meal together with one another. You know, we find out about each other's histories. We find out about each other's likes and dislikes. We find out about family. We find out, once we begin to trust each other, about some of the difficult challenges that we've been through. And as a result, we're drawn closer together to one another. So that's why this year we're launching these Homes with Tables of Fellowship where we're all going to come together on certain uh, weeks of the month, and we're going to share a common meal together. You might say, well, look, I can't bring much. Bring what you can. Bring what you can. You may not have the facilities to cook a meal at your place, or you may not know how, like me. You may not know how (laughs) to do that. You don't really want me to bring the common food to the uh, house. Um, It will be microwaved, and it will taste like cardboard, so don't I leave that to the cook, the blessed one. Amen. (laughs) So this is what koinonia is all about. It's about the sharing of common life together. Let me tell you what happens around a meal table. Do you remember the two men on the road to Emmaus? Jesus' death had taken place. These two men had been followers of Jesus and they had great hopes for the future. They believed he was the Messiah and that he would restore the kingdom to Jerusalem. And so they were devastated, a little bit like many people are feeling around New Zealand at the moment. They were devastated through his violent death and they were walking along the dusty, filled roads outside of Jerusalem with their heads down, and suddenly Jesus came out of nowhere and began walking beside them, except he concealed his identity from them. And they didn't realize who was walking with them. And he, Jesus says to them, why are you so sad? And, he, and they're looking around like an alien. What? Haven't you heard about everything that's happened the last few days? How this man called Jesus was crucified, and we all saw him die, and we had such great hopes. And so then the Bible says that Jesus began to converse with them as they're walking. He has a conversation. He opens up all the Old Testament prophecies to them, so they can begin to understand that the Messiah had to die for the sins of the world. At the end of the day, Jesus makes as if he's going to carry on his journey. And they say, no, please. Stay with us, and let's have a meal together. They sit down at the table, then suddenly Jesus grabs the bread, and in front of them, he breaks the bread. You know what happened when he broke the bread? He broke the bread, and suddenly they had a revelation of the man that was sitting at the table with them. Let me say this that if you take this seriously, and you begin to share your table with other believers, you will receive fresh revelations of Jesus as you break bread together around that table, and you will understand God in a new way, and you get to know your brother or sister in a new way. Does this make sense this morning, church? So at the end of the service, I'd love for you to sign up. If you want to get connected, with other believers in our church, then write your name down the back and a phone number. If you want to be part of hosting people at your home, then you can also write your name down the back there and we'll be launching this in April. So the second part of breaking of bread was celebrating the emblems. Jesus said, do this until I return. Remember me. And so... He'd actually instituted this at a meal. Jesus put all this into place while they were eating at the Passover meal. He actually implemented what we call Holy Communion, the bread that represents his broken body, and the cup of wine which represents his shed blood. Jesus put this into practice and told them to keep doing this until he returned again at a meal. And so what they did, they were obedient to that as they gathered together, whenever they were together in their houses, they began to share Holy Communion together. And they were having breakthrough times. Because as you well know, if you start like the prophecy this morning about the slow leak, you start forgetting about God in your life. You start forgetting about the place that he may have once had within your life. Slowly, all the life of God is leaking out of you. And suddenly, You and Jesus seem like a very, very, very far away place from one another. And so they avoided this by continually coming back when they broke bread together to remind themselves of what Jesus had done for them what He had accomplished for them, that He'd suffered, that He'd died a horrible death, that His shed blood was spilt for the forgiveness of their sins, that His death on the cross meant that if they believed in Him, now they could experience eternal life, that their life could be different today, not just a ticket to heaven, friends. Living with Jesus is more than just a ticket to heaven. It's more than just guarantee. It's more than just a passport from earth to heaven. Friends, when you receive Jesus, He said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have abundant life. Life to the full. And so often we're settling for a second grade Christianity because we've forgotten to remember. Thankfulness and gratitude brings us closer to God. It brings us into that space. I don't know about you, but sometimes I've found myself being on autopilot around Holy Communion. We have some great communion words that are shared in this church. What we do in this church is that we give people opportunity to begin to stand up and share and preach through communion. Susanna shared communion last week. It was a glorious word of communion. It was amazing. And as I was coming around the emblems, I could feel the tremendous gratitude, but sometimes it's not always like that. And I'm going to take you into the Word as we finish this part of the message today. And I'm going to show you how communion can, can become a divine exchange for you, where God's life can be exchanged in your body as you come around the emblems of communion. Paul wrote by Revelation 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. 23, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread... And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Uh, and, and for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. Verse 30, that is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. This is interesting. This sounds like an Old Testament thing. Judgment, death, things taking place. Wow. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we're disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. Paul brings the revelation that we are to focus not on Jesus' life, but on his death. Why is death? Because Leviticus 17.11 says this, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. When Jesus died, He literally allowed His life to drain away on your behalf and my behalf. As His blood was being shed on that cross, He was paying the ultimate price through the giving of Himself and His life as the blood ebbed out of His body. The life that was in His blood was actually being shed for your future and to change your life. There is power in the blood. And as that blood was shed... It was making atonement for your sins. There is no other means possible of a man or a woman or a child of ever getting themselves right without the blood of Jesus Christ. There is power in that blood for forgiveness of your sins and my sins. And so if we, if we go back to 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine, look at this. For he who drinks in an unworthy manner... Eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Interesting verse. There's two reasons he states here that people were getting sick and they were dying an early death. How many of you do you know who have died an early death who have been Christians? Come on. Too many. The first one he states, he states, you've been partaking in this in an unworthy manner. And we all say, well, that's me shot. We're all unworthy. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about your worth, he's talking about the manner in which you come to the table. In an unworthy manner, it's having a blase attitude. It's not taking seriously what's going on as you come around the emblems. That's the first thing that he says here. And he goes on to say, to stop that, examine yourself. Self-examination. That means stay up to date with God. That means don't let things in your life spiral downwards out of control where suddenly you're beginning to partake and do things that you swore you would never do. Things that you're partaking of in your life that you think, man, I, I thought I left that long time ago when I, when, when I came to Jesus. And, and Paul says a remedy for that is that every time you take communion, take time to examine your heart before God take it seriously. Take it seriously. Now the second part is interesting. Let's have a look at this. For many are weak and sickly among you because you have not discerned correctly the Lord's body. What does the word discern mean? This is what it means. Showing insight and understanding. Listen to this carefully, friends. Because this can change your life every time you partake of the emblems. This is what it means. They were not partaking of the full revelation of what took place at Calvary on Jesus' body. They failed to discern what took part in His body. That when His blood was shed for you, that Isaiah the prophet said He was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. Listen to this the chastisement of our peace was upon them. One of the greatest hallmarks that none of us are walking right with God is that we lose peace in our lives. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace for a reason. It's because wherever He goes and you give access and you give access to Him into the human heart, one of the instant things that takes place in your life is that you have inner peace. You can't buy that off the shelf. You can't go to the supermarket. You can't go to the retailer and get that piece. It's given to you through your reconciliation with God. He said he was bruised for your iniquities, for your sins. Forgiveness is available to you as you discern the Lord's body. But listen to this last bit. He says this. And by his stripes, what stripes? When he was whipped, they literally took the skin off his back. And by the stripes he suffered on his back, you have been healed. This is what it means, friends. Some of us are coming to the Lord's table with sickness in our bodies, and we're not understanding or discerning the Lord's body and what is available for us to receive healing around the Holy Communion emblems, that as we partake of the bread and the cup, that healing can be uh, invade your body through that simple celebration of remembering Jesus' death on the Cross. You remember the prodigal son, Luke 15. Two brothers, younger ones, wants everything now. Rips his father off from his inheritance. His father gave it to him. Wastes all of of his uh, father's resources. Meanwhile, the older brother stays at home on the farm with the father. Over a period of time, the younger son loses everything, loses all of his mates, has no food, nothing. He even wants to eat the food that's been fed to the pigs. He hits rock bottom. And I so wish this wasn't part of the human equation. Too often we have to hit rock bottom before we actually get a revelation of what we need to do he hit rock bottom and he said, he had this realized that even the servants my father pays to work for him are living a better life than me. I'm a son. I'm an heir of my father's inheritance, but even the the paid workers at home are getting a better deal than I am. And so he said, I'm going to go back to my father. I'm going to apologize. And I'm going to say, father, I'm sorry about everything. Just receive me even as a servant. But you know what? His father was waiting for him. His daddy was waiting for him. He was looking on the horizon every day, waiting for his lost son to return. He didn't come at him with a, with a stick or a rod and beat his son for wasting all his resources. He was waiting there with arms wide open ready to receive this lost son who once was lost but now is found. He returns to his father. His father is overwhelmed. His father is so happy. He puts on a feast. He gives him a new cloak, a new tunic, a new garment. He has a ring, the signet ring of the family. He puts it on his finger and he puts sandals on his feet because that was a transition from being slaves never wore shoes. So he says, you're no longer going to be walking around like a slave. You're my son. I'm going to give you a new pair of sandals. And he receives him fully back in. But you see, the oldest son, the oldest son was angry. The oldest son was jealous. When he heard about the party, he said, what's all the music about, boys? And they said, oh, it's your younger brother. He's come home. Dad's putting on a party for him. And he's storming around. He's furious. There's smoke coming out of his ears. He's as mad as a hatter. He can't believe that after everything the son had done to the father, that he would receive him with love. See, that's the heart of God, friends. That's the one true God that we really serve. Unconditional love towards you and me. But look at this verse. He moans to his father in verse 30. He says, As soon as the son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And and then the father replied and said to his son, listen to this, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. Here's the deal, friends, and this is where the communion kicks in. The oldest son had full access to his inheritance rights, But he never took them. He never took them. You have full access rights to healing in your body. When you come around the communion emblems and there's something wrong in your body, you can feel sickness in your body, whatever it may be. As you partake of the emblems, you are discerning the Lord's body properly so that you don't have to face an early death, so that, you, that your body can move forward with healing in it as you partake of those communion emblems today. Thank you, Jesus. So I want to encourage you, church. I want to encourage you to gather. I want to encourage you to share these emblems together. I want to encourage you as, as small as a thing as, as it may seem. It's so powerful. Even if you're experiencing sickness in your body, we're going to share communion at the completion of this message. But even if you're, share, if you're finding sickness in your body today, discern the Lord's body, have understanding and insight about what Christ has done for you, and you can receive healing today.